The Mishnah mentioned that Nitinim are prohibited from uh, joining the uh, people of Israel, uh, prohibition of marriage, Isur uh, Olam, for males and females. And so, um, although Mamzerim was is Medoraita, Nitinim is only Medirabanan. It refers to the Givonim who came to Yoshua and didn't want to be wiped out, so they said that they're from a faraway land even though they were one of the seven nations. Um, Yeshua believed them and allowed them to convert and then kept his word and protected them. Nevertheless, at some point, uh, they were, um, there was a Gezerah not to marry them. And the Gemara is saying that David HaMelech is the one that made this Gezerah. And we are in the middle of the story. Uh, we haven't yet seen why David makes a Gezerah on them. Uh, so the story is uh, regarding David. When the Givonim come and... Um, uh, and complain. And they say, oh, we have a complaint about Shaul. There was a famine in the land for three years. David didn't know why. Finally, he found out why. Uh, for two reasons. Number one, uh, because Shaul HaMelech was not uh, eulogized. And number two, uh, because uh, he, he killed the Giv'onim, and so they are upset about it. All right, so now let's see. Uh, that's what Hashem said, uh, is the reason for the famine. You got to take care of these things, and then uh, then the famine will stop. So what's uh, David's response to Hashem from through the Urim V'tumim? Amar David, Sha'ul nefaku lehu Number one regarding Sha'ul, uh, it's already been 12 months that had passed, and that's it. It's not, not a time for eulogizing anymore. During the, the first year, people are very, still very sad, so you're going to eulogize appropriate. People will be uh, uh, remember them, remember the person, and will cry. Uh, but after that, then uh, the memories uh, uh, become more uh, softer, and that's not the time to eulogize anymore. All right, where is the Gemara getting this from at all that they didn't properly eulogize uh, Shaul? It could be uh, the hint to it, maybe, that in this very story, after it rains, then David goes and gets the bones of Shaul, which were never properly buried, and he buries them. So it might be referring to that improper burial that David did not take care of yet. Okay, and now for the main part of the story. Finally, David realized that it's because of the Givonim, they have a complaint. So he says, I better go appease them. They have a, a proper complaint that their ancestors were killed indirectly, uh, we should note, by Shaul, whose per, who's, uh uh, who ordered the Nov Irakonim to be killed, and then Doeg Adami, on his command, killed the Kohanim there. Those Kohanim were serviced by the Givonim, and now the Givonim lost their customers, lost their livelihood, and so therefore considers it as if Shaul actually killed them. Okay, so uh, David Amelech calls the Givonim and says, all right, what should I do so that we can find atonement and be blessed? Uh, and get rain. Give him say, we have no money monetary claim. We don't want any money. And we don't want any person delivered that we should kill. Except. We want seven of Shaul's sons, and we want to murder them and hang them uh, before God to show our revenge. 
All right, this is a tough thing to ask. David Amelech at first did not want to give in to this. And he said, well, maybe something else. You know, we're sorry. Uh, can you accept a compromise? And they said, no, only this. And David was in a tough spot because otherwise the famine would continue and many more people will die. So uh, he had to give in. Now, David said, Amad, I know that the Jewish people, what characterizes them is the following three uh, 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 signs. The Jewish people are merciful and shame, uh, uh, feel ashamed. And they do kindness. Uh, and, and Devarim says Hashem will give you mercy and have mercy upon you. The Peshat is that Hashem will, two ways of saying Hashem will have mercy upon the upon Bnei Israel. But because of the repetition, we could read the second one is Hashem will have mercy on us. The, the first one is God will give us mercy, meaning He will implant within Bnei Israel the character trait of being merciful. By Shanim, uh, uh, being ashamed when uh, when we do something wrong. Uh, the, this is after the Matan Torah. The people come to Moshe and says, "Oh, you speak to us. We can't hear it directly. It's too much." And Moshe says, "Don't worry. This is a good experience for you, so that the fear of God will always be upon you. So feeling shame is is part of um, uh, having fear of God. When when one knows that he's when was fearful." of God, knows God is watching, and then if he does something wrong, he's ashamed. Someone who doesn't care, who doesn't think that God is watching, doesn't have fear of heaven, will not feel ashamed when they do something wrong. Uh, so that's uh, that's the second quality. This is Hashem chooses Avraham, and He says, "I'm gonna, I gotta tell him about Sodom. After all, He's gonna teach His children to do Sedakam Mishpat and be good people and do kindnesses for others." So there you go. The children of Avraham have this third quality. So anyone who has these three qualities. Uh, one should cleave to that nation. In other words, these three qualities are signs that this must be uh, someone from the Jewish people. If someone lacks these three qualities, then that's a sign that they are not part of the Jewish people. So now these Givonim will come and demand the lives of seven people, sons of uh, Shaul, who themselves were not involved in that murder, but just as revenge, this shows a lack of uh, mercy. And therefore, he's, he's saying these Givonim are not worthy of uh, being part of the Jewish people. We unfortunately had to convert them because they tricked us and we converted them and we accepted it. But you know what? From now on, do not marry them. Uh, they may be technically Jewish, but they're not uh, uh, by, by, by lineage, but by character, they're not Jewish. And therefore, uh, we cannot marry them. And that was the source of the decree against the what the Mishnah says, Netinim, what the Tanakh calls Givonim. So even though we got the answer already, uh, we're going to continue reading that story about the famine and how it ended. And so David had to give in and find seven princes from the line of Shaul, and he did. He found two that were the sons of Rizpah Bat Ayah, that's one of Shaul's wives, 
and the other that uh, Shaul, um, uh, that's two, um, uh, and also Admoni and Mephibosheth, and five of the children of Michal, uh, the daughter of Shaul. Now, actually, Adriel was married to Merav, the older sister of Michal. Michal was married to David. So these were not David's children, but rather uh, Merav's children. Okay, why does it say that Michal had these children with Adriel and not Merav is a good question. Rishonim say maybe Michal helped bring them up, but actually they were Merav's children. All right, so anyway, we have Ritzepa who's going to come up again. Her two children, one of them happens to be named Mephibosheth, not the same Mephibosheth as the famous one, and uh, five and five from uh, Michal slash actually Merav, uh, five of uh, his children, all sons of Shaul. Okay, now why these? Shaul had lots of children, why these seven and not other children that he had? So David actually did a divine test. And he passed all of Michal's, all of Shaul's children in front of the Adon. If the Adon grabbed them, then they were, uh, to, were going to death. But if the Aaron did not grab them, the Aaron Kodesh, then uh, they did not go to death. Idea being that anyone who gets too close to the Aaron, that itself is dangerous. So them coming close to Aaron says, oh, this is not, they, they, they did something wrong. So here's the idea. They, yes, they all died. But even though we don't believe in revenge and they weren't deserving of death on account of the Givonim, nevertheless, by passing through this attest, this ordeal, it shows that they were worthy of death for something or other. And therefore, the Aaron picked them out. Um, but if the Aaron pushed them back, then no, right? Pushing them back might be towards the Mizbeach. And remember, the Mizbeach is a place of safety, uh, like home base. <clears throat> So that's the test. And that's how he knew these uh, five and not uh, these seven and not others. In the Pesukim, right there in that story, it says that King David had pity on Mephibosheth, uh, the only person in Tanakh who's mentioned as handicapped. Uh, and the, uh, the son of Yonatan ben Shaul. So not the same, I guess, uh, more a common name. So this is Mephibosheth because this was Shaul's, uh, Yonatan was David's good friend. And therefore, he did not want Mephibosheth to be killed. Shelo so did not even pass him in front of the Aaron. Now we ask, uh, wait, so it should be favoritism here? Uh, no, actually David had everybody go past and the Mephibosheth came and the Aaron did uh, pull him in, meaning he was about to die and David prayed for him and so he said, okay, fine, no. Uh, nevertheless, it's still, that's still favoritism. Uh, that uh, David is showing by praying for him and not praying for anybody else. Rather, it means that David prayed beforehand, uh, before the Aaron took him, uh, grabbed him, that it, sh that it should not grab him. And therefore, uh, there's no, at least no uh, um, apparent favoritism, 
David treated Mephibosheth the same. He had him pass through like everybody else. Now, if the Arab Adon already grabbed him and everybody saw that, and then they said, oh, look, now it's un- now uh, let go of him because David prayed, that would be apparent favoritism. But if he's praying beforehand so that that should prevent in the future this from happening, so that's appropriate for David to say. And after all, it's not David's favoritism. If he didn't have him pass at all, then that's not fair. But he's saying, before, I'm going to pass him through. Before he passes through, I'm pray, I hope that it doesn't. And then it's up to God uh, to decide. And so there's no apparent favoritism. People will not accuse him. And he actually didn't do anything uh, to prevent it, except for pray, and so prayer, uh, prayer is always appropriate. Um, okay, not not after the fact because then uh, that will be a chilul Hashem, but uh, before before the fact, it's okay. Okay, and now the question is, how could David do this, uh, or uh, with the help of the Adon, by the way, right, and uh, allow these sons to be killed on account of the sin of the fathers? If Davidim says the sons will not be killed on account of the fathers, uh, even though this is contradicted when we say uh, answers that that's talking about. All right, and in heaven they have their own calculation who's will, who's guilty, and who's not guilty. But in a human court, we never punish sons for the fathers. And here they're being killed by by uh, by human hands. So how could we let that happen? Amazing statement. Rabbi uh, says the name of Rabbi Yochanan. Better to uproot a letter from the Torah. And that doesn't mean literally a letter, even a whole verse. Better to uproot a law of the Torah, the law that we don't kill sons on account of fathers. Better to uproot that law and not let the name of heaven be desecrated in public. How will it be desecrated in public? Well, because um, everybody will say, oh, what, what did Shaul do to the Givanim? And look, it was never it was never repaid. It was never punished. This is a chilul Hashem uh, that uh, that uh, the uh, um, the king of Israel, that Bnei Israel, should do such a, a terrible thing to this uh, uh, group of uh, converts, and uh, that would be chilul Hashem. So better to take these seven innocent people, and even though that's not allowed, uh, better that they should uh, we should violate this law and hand them over to be killed, so that we will not have a chilul Hashem. The continuation of that very story. You should go look it inside. It's a very important story. This is one of the saddest scenes in all of Tanakh. That the mother of two of those who were killed took some sackcloth and put it on a rock so that, so that she could uh, sit on it and sleep on it. And uh, she um, and uh, and she would go from the beginning of the harvest season. That's when they when they were killed, all the way until the rain started. Uh, the rain started up again, which was probably in the rainy season. Several months later, meaning the whole summer, she was there. Um, and uh, she would not. She stayed there day and night. Would not allow allow the birds to come uh, um, and during the day or wild animals to come at night and um and peck away uh, from the corpses of her, of those of her sons and the and the other of those who were killed and left hanging they were left hanging for months uh, she was she would not allow that to happen um so she 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 went day and night and protected them
Okay, now it's another question. How could they do that? How could the, the, uh, the give onim hung them up and then left them there? How could we allow, David HaMelech, allow that they would be hung there uh, for, uh, for such a long time? After the, all the Pasuk says, even when you uh, do capital punishment on, a, on, a, on a, uh, someone who's actually guilty, we hang up the body, but we take it down the very same day before sunset. Um, that it should not, uh, because it, it's a curse. Um, uh, the Gemara explains that this a person is made b'tzelim elokim, and they're putting a, a hanging a, a human a b- body up there. So this is a desecration of God's name itself. So how could they? How could they be allowed to do that? Very similar to the uh, what we said here. Better to uproot a law and not desecrate God's name. Also, Rabbi Yochanan, that was said in the name of Rabbi Yochanan by Rabbi Abba. Here we have Rabbi Yochanan himself saying in, in the name of Rabbi Shimon ben Yosadak. It uh, sounds like uh, you can reconcile these two statements. Uh, this one is in the positive. Better to uproot a law so that of the Torah, so that Shem Shamaim will be sanctified. Perhaps Rabbi Yochanan heard from Rabbi Shimon. Uh, his teacher, the positive one for sanctification, and he said, oh, he taught it to his student. And as he's teaching, he says, you know what, the opposite would also be true. Uh, it's okay, it's better to uproot a law that, rather than desecrate God's name. And so his student reported it in that way. Okay, um, so uh, how, how will leaving their bodies up be a kiddush Hashem? If anything, it should be the opposite because they're made b'tselem elokim. This will be a chilul Hashem that tselem elokim is left hanging in this uh, disgraceful way. The reason why it's uh, the Kiddush Hashem is because people will pass by and see these bodies uh, up there hanging. And there's a, there's a you know, gory display. And people will say, what happened here? And then they'll answer, oh, you know, these were princes. Wow. What did they do so bad that a prince they would kill and treat in such a disgraceful manner? They must have done something really bad, right? that they uh, put their hands on, meaning murdered, converts who were calculating. Uh, these were converts who didn't even come in sincerity. They came and made a trick and said, we're from far away. They made up a story and were only, were only uh, uh, accepted as converts because of that. They didn't even belong. And so well, they'll say, wow, that's pretty amazing. And they will say, wow, there's no nation that's so worthy that one should attach to this. Look how they treat even the lowest of the low class, people who are converts, who tricked, the, who tricked their way, into the country, they made up a story uh, that the, you know they're uh, refugees from uh, persecution, and they got a visa. But they was they made up the story, and they don't belong here. And yet, when they were mistreated by a king, so the king, the princes, 
get uh, get what's coming to them. Wow, this is a people that believes in very strict, the highest standards of absolute justice. And so it's worthy to come and join this uh, this nation. Uh, and if that's how they treat the princes, then a hedjot, hedjot, a regular a common citizen who would wrongdo someone, even if it's a convert, even if it's uh, a convert that shouldn't have been there, all the more so. And this is how they treat converts who didn't, who didn't came, came, came insincerely, uh, the way they treat an actual Jewish citizen uh, who was wronged, all the more so. And so this will make a Kiddush Hashem, that this will spread virally, this message. This is how they um, had viral uh, 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 Instagram back then. Uh, you do this public display, everyone talks about it, and then that will make a tremendous Kiddush Hashem. Okay, this phrase of Ra'ui Lehidabek we saw in the Agadah, uh, similarly above. So this is uh, continuing that theme. All right, miyad nitosfu al Israel Because of this kiddush Hashem, many more people said we want to join this uh, the Israelite people. What a wonderful people! And they got a hundred and fifty thousand sincere converts that came. As Pasuka says in regarding Shalomo when he was building up. Uh, all his building projects, he had 70,000 uh, people that were carrying burdens, building materials, and 80,000 uh, hewers in the mountain that would uh, hew stones for the building. Uh, so now, who are these people? Uh, well, if they're doing this uh, low job, sounds like uh, sounds like they're doing kind of uh, slave labor. So who would this be? Uh, must be that they are converts, similar to the Givonim, uh, who uh, who uh, Yeshua said, okay, fine, we'll accept your conversion, but you have to go and be wood choppers and carry water. So since they're also doing a type of slave labor, the Gemara is assuming that they must have, have uh, they must be converts like give onim. So you see how sincere they are. Although the Gemara before said we don't accept converts in the time of Shalomah, you see how these they, they must be sincere because they sign up not to eat on the king's table and be treated as uh, as royalty, but rather to work uh, hard labor uh, in the service of Shalomah. Okay, Vidil Now, how do you know that they're converts? Maybe they're Jew, they're Israelites, uh, born Israelites that worked. Um, uh, Shalomah did have a corvée and you know, uh, got people as a labor tax to come and work. No, it can't be because later on in, in Sefer Melachim, uh, describing the, all the, the building of the Bet HaMikdash and the palace, says he did not have anyone from Israelite working. He got foreigners to work. So obviously these are not born Israelites. Therefore, they must be converts. Okay. Hold on. How do you know that uh, that they are uh, slaves? Maybe they're uh, employed. He hired workers uh, to come, and so they could have been Jews. In other words, he didn't make any Israelites into slaves, but he could have made them into paid laborers. Uh, so that they could be Jews and not necessarily converts. So you know what? From Sefer Melachim by itself, we couldn't tell. But we're going to bring the parallel story in David Amin, where it says, And here it says that Shalomot did a, a, a census. 
of all those who were literally those who were living in the land, immigrants, uh, foreigners. Uh, but getting him here is taken to mean converts uh, who were in the land. And he found there were 150,000 and plus a little more. And he made 70,000 to be carriers and 80,000 to be uh, quarriers. And so here you go. This is a parallel. It's the same number. It's the same people. And here in David Amim calls them converts. And there you go. That's how, that's how we know that because of this uh, great Kiddush Hashem that was done, albeit this Kiddush Hashem was done by uprooting a law and illegally punishing these seven on account of the sin of the fathers, that's true, but better to uproot one law and uh, have, be able to create this Kiddush Hashem, uh, one that uh, attracted all of these converts. All right, fantastic story. Untinim, David gazara lehem. And now that we answered the question, David is the one that made the gezera against the givonim. Right, such people that take revenge, they don't deserve to be part of the Jews. Don't marry them. Uh, and they have to be slave, and they have to do slave labor. Moshe gazara lehem, dichtib mechotei b'asecha ad shomemecha. Hold on. Didn't Moshe already make a decree against them? Now, he didn't make a decree against the Gibeonites because Moshe died before Yehoshua got into the land and met the Givonim. But rather, it means Moshe made a decree against people that are like this. Those, um, uh, he's, Moshe is talking about all those who are part of the Berit, from those who uh, chop down the wood and those who draw water. They are all, right, they're all uh, entering the Berit today. So since he calls out a portion of the of the nation that whose job it is to do this menial labor like slaves. So doesn't he didn't he already make a decree regarding some group that's like the Givonim? Maybe some of uh, Erevrav that were there, and he said they're decreed that they have to do slave labor. Uh, we say yes, he did. But Moshe Gazalahu Dara, David Dara. Moshe only made a Gezara for that generation itself, and he had in mind after this generation then. Their children will just be regular, uh, Israel. But David made a gezerah for now and forever. From now on, all these givonim and their descendants will be uh, have to do slave labor and will not be able to marry. Okay, okay. now you now the whole time we're saying David made this, but made this gezerah. But then Yoshua himself made it, made the, make the gezerah. He says, Yeah, fine, we won't we won't kill you as we have to do the seven nations. Um and uh, we'll accept uh, we'll honor our word that you are converts, but you have to do slave labor. And so this is a decree against slave labor, which we're associating with uh, not marrying. So didn't Yoshua make this gezera? Yoshua gazabi kayam. David kayam. Yes, you're right. But they were talking about two different time periods. Yoshua see, says the words here, Ul Hashem, that they are going to have to bring uh, wood and water, not just for the people who need it, but also for the Mizbeach. They have to bring wood all the time that to serve, uh, to make the fires on the Mizbeach. So specifically, Yoshua made a decree when the Bet HaMikdash is around. Now, Yoshua was not, Yoshua was way before the Bet HaMikdash, but I mean the Mishkan, Mishkan slash eventually Bet HaMikdash, because he says specifically for the Mizbeach. Uh, but when there's no Mizbeach, then uh, Yoshua did not make a decree. David David, who lived also before the Bet HaMikdash was built, 
Um, but he didn't mention anything about Mizbach. So David said, I'm going to add, even when there's no Mizbach, the Givonim still have to continue with this Gezerah and cannot be regular part of Israel. By the way, this Mizbach Hashem, this might help us before. Remember, we assumed for no reason, uh, no textual reason, that the Givonim were providing uh, the, 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 the needs for Nov Ira Kohanim. Where'd they get that from? How do we know that uh, they were the, uh, the service providers for the Kohanim? Well, here you go. Since this was a, a Kohen city and they were um, uh, doing, uh, had Kodesh food there, so um, it makes sense that the Givonim were the ones that were providing for them. All right, and by the way, over there, it does say that they get paid. So they're not actual slaves because they are Israelite, um, but rather they are decreed to be treated to do slave labor, um, although it does seem that they would get paid for it. Okay, now follow up to the story in the time of Rabbi Yudha Nasi, uh, the sages got together and they wanted to permit the Givonim. But B told the other sages, well, yeah, we have a right to permit our share that the Givonim have, are enslaved to provide for the Jewish people, so we can forego that. But how about the Mizbeach? Well, we can't undo that. Uh, so therefore, when there, when, when there is a time that the Mizbeach will, be, will come around again, the Givonim will have to continue to do that. So it's not in our power to completely undo the decree against the Givonim. Okay, this fact that they um, that they wanted to undo it, Upeliga did be Abba so according to this statement in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, the part, the, the, the slave work that they give onim must do for the community is prohibited forever. So you see, this contradicts uh, here where it says that they permitted it, um, the work for, to do for the community. They just couldn't permit the Mizbeach work. So according to this, no, that's permitted forever. And regarding the Mizbeach, when their Beit Mikdash is up, then uh, it is, it's prohibited. And when there's no Beit Mikdash, then they are permitted. And so that one is variable because obviously if there's no Mizbeach, you can't force them to work for the Mizbeach. That brings us to the next Mishnah. Uh, we have a conversation here. Amar Rabbi Yoshua, Shamati Saris Choles Vechosin Leishto. Rabbi Yoshua said, I heard a tradition, but it's contradictory. I heard on the one hand that a saris, a eunuch, we'll discuss two different types of eunuchs in a second, uh, the person who, a man who is not fertile, uh, he can do chalitza if his brother dies without children, and if he dies without children, then his wife is the Yavama, who is required, uh, the brother, his brothers are required to do Chalitza uh, on his behalf. And that's one tradition. I also heard a tradition that that Sadis cannot do Chalitza and is no requirement for someone to do Chalitza on his behalf. And I cannot explain why they are contradictory. That Apparently they talk about two different cases, but I don't know what they are.
That's what Yoshua said. Amar Rabbi Akiva, Ani Afaresh, I will explain it to you. Seris Adam Choles Vechosin Lishto. Mepne Shaita Lo Shata Kosher. Seris Hama Lo Choles Vechosin Lishto. Mepne Shelo Hayalo Shata Kosher. So I'll explain this to him about two different types of Sirisim. Uh, Seris Adam means someone who was born perfectly healthy, and he had an accident, uh, 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 he had an injury uh, by accident, on purpose, whatever happened. He later became became infertile, physically, physical problem. And so in that case, he can still do chalitza and have chalitza done on his behalf if he's one that dies, because there was a time in which he was kosher. He was able to have children, and so therefore, he's within the law of Yibum for both purposes. However, Seris Hama, which means uh, someone who was born uh, infertile. This could even be that he had all his anatomy just fine, but that whatever for whatever, pro- whatever reason, he cannot have children. Because he cannot have children, he cannot do Chalitza, and he, he can, no one can, needs to do a Chalitza on his behalf, and then for sure not Yibum, uh, incidentally. Uh, why, why not? Because since he cannot have children, so he can't do Chalitza for his brother, because the whole point of Chalitza is to have a child, so that will uphold his name. And since he couldn't have children, if he dies without children, he was going to die without children anyway. So then the brother doesn't doesn't need to do anything to uphold his name and cannot do if he can't can't can, cannot even do yibum, uh, even if he wanted to. So we do not. Uh, there's no need for it because he was born uh, because. Um, he was born that way and therefore never entered. But as long as at for any amount of time, uh, even just whatever, from uh, a few years, he was healthy, then it, then he does. He is within the law of Yibum, even though currently he uh, cannot have children, but he was born, uh, so therefore the law applies to him. Uh, good. That, that's the opinion of Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Eliezer, however, says exactly the opposite, Omer. Loki. Ela seris hama choles vechosin lishto mipne sheyesh lo refuah seris adam lo choles vechosin lishto mipne sheen lo refuah. Because it says no seris hama. If someone was born infertile, then but uh, assuming his anatomy is there, but he just you know some some something else is wrong, so he can do chalitza because maybe he'll get better. Maybe he'll have a, get a potion, do a do something and uh, medication or procedure and he'll be able to get better and maybe you know just wait so therefore he's within the realm of yibum of yibum and chalitza he could he could do at least chalitza you need to do it and it has to he can do it for others and others can do it for him whether they, any of these can do yibum the gemara is going to discuss that seris adam lo choles but if he's injured later on that means a physical injury, and so that's apparent that he can no longer have children, and there's nothing, nothing that will happen magically uh, to for because uh, his anatomy he's the same as a petua daka chrutshavcha, so that's a permanent uh, problem, and uh, therefore he's now out of the realm of yibum and chalitza uh, because he will not get better. Okay, that's the two different opinions. Now we have a story to back up Rabbi Akiva. There was this guy named Ben Megusat in Jerusalem. And he was, he got an injury, uh, so by uh, a eunuch by human hands. And even though he died without children, 
uh, he didn't have children before the injury and for sure not after. Nevertheless, uh, that someone did Yibum. His brother did Yibum. This is interesting because Yibum did not actually say anything about Yibum. He just said that if someone has gets an injury later on, then since he was born, uh, just fine. So he can do Chalitza and others can do Chalitza on his behalf. He didn't actually say anything about Yibum, but what you see from this story is that he wouldn't even say that, yes, you can do Yibum. Igamadah will discuss why he didn't say that. Saris. Uh, Okay, this line is extra. We we already said that this is a subject to machloket. Actually, when does this apply? When do we say Saris to not do chalitza and does not do yibum? Uh, so it depends on according to Rabbi Akiva, it's talking about Saris uh, was born that way. According to Rabbi Eliezer, it all becomes that way. All right, why is it repeating? Gemara will explain. And so too, a woman who is cannot bear children, uh, she never develops. So she does not need chalitza and cannot have yibum done to her because she's ilonit. And the whole point of yibum is to bear a child. And she can't bear a child. Therefore, the, the brother, the surviving brother, is not allowed to do yibum. If he does, that would be adva. And also, no need to do chalitza. She can just go ahead and get married. Good. Hasaris shechalas to lo pesalaha. Be'ala pesalaha. Me'pene shehi be'ilat zenut. Someone who is a saris, uh, the, and the kind that cannot do, uh, the, the cannot do yibum, and so if he does chalitza, she is not disqualified from marrying a kohen because that chalitza was an unnecessary chalitza. Uh, so therefore, um, if you just do chalitza with a random woman, doesn't make her prohibited to uh, to a kohen, and so the saris did not have an ability to do yibum, no responsibility. And therefore, no chalitza, so she can marry a kohen. She's a widow, so it's fine. Be'ala pesala. If he goes and does, tries to do yibum, does, has bi'ah with her, then that is no good. That will disqualify her because that is arva. There's no, when there's no mitzvah yibum, then that's considered adayot, and that makes her a, a zona, and therefore cannot marry a kohen. Mepneshi be'ilat zenut. And similarly, a woman who's not fertile. And the brothers went and did chalitza. She doesn't need chalitza. She just goes free. So if the brother came and did chalitza, uh, all right, they just did a random ceremony, but has no validity, and therefore she can marry a kohen. If they thought they, they tried to do yibum by doing bi'ah, so that bi'ah is no good. It's mipinesh bi'lat zenut. Uh, that's just licentious, it's adva, it's a, a, a brother-in-law, and therefore she becomes a zona, and now she cannot marry a kohen. Okay, very good. Now we're going to focus on Rabbi uh, Akiva and ask an important question here. We know that Rabbi Akiva is very stringent regarding even uh, Isur Lav, and but this is this person is considered Pesua Daka, uh, so which is an Isur Lav for Pesua Daka to come and marry someone. Um, and he considers Chayave Lavin like as if it were Karet, uh, which would mean that 
there is no need for chalitza and no possibility of yibum uh, for nisur karet. For example, if someone marries his niece and dies without children, uh, so uh, does the daughter fall to the own father? No, obviously not. There's no not allowed to do yibum. No need for chalitza. You just go free. So over here in this case, why does Rabbi Akiva say that someone who who is a sadis adam he becomes a, he becomes eunuch at some point during his life that he needs to do chalitza why any he can't marry anybody uh, he's he's prohibited to lavoba kahal he's prohibited to marry anybody any regular jew and even though it's only sur lav that's like any sur karet prohibited and therefore just like someone in Surkaret, no yubum, no chalitza, so too uh, this Pitsuwa Daka person, Siri uh, Saddam, should not be allowed to do yubum and not need to do chalitza. So how come over here he said you have to do chalitza? And even in the story he said yibum. Oh, here is talking about a case where the Yevama was a convert. A man married a convert, he died without children. She's a convert, so she is not part of Kahal, and therefore <clears throat> the uh, Petsuwa Daka, or Siris Chama, uh, Siris Adam, sorry, Siris Adam uh, Yavam, is allowed to do, uh, to, uh, do Yibum, and uh, therefore needs to do Chalitza. And this would assume that Rabbi Akiva follows Rabbi Yose, that's a student, but they, they agree with the same the same principle that uh, when we say the congregation, the congregation of converts is not considered a congregation, so therefore they are allowed to marry a Pesuah Daka. So there you go. That's the case that the Akiva was talking about. We ask about that. If so, why, why does the Akiva say do Chalitza? You could even do Yibum. You should say that Siris Adam can do Chalitza, can do Yibum. Oh, this is you're right, it really could. But since Rabbi Yoshua already said, use the word cholets. Remember, Rabbi Yoshua says, I have two versions. One says cholets, one says you don't do chalitza. He didn't say anything about yibum. So Rabbi Akiva wants to explain to Rabbi Yoshua the difference between part A and part B. So he says, oh, uh, Siri Saddam, that's the one. But in fact, you're right. One could even do yibum in such a case. Excellent. Daikaname dekatanayid Rabbi Yosho ben Betera al ben Megusat sheyabirushlam siris adam yibibuot ishto that came to bread Rabbi Akiva shemamina. And in fact, the story that comes right after that, this ben Megusat person who was a siris adam and he did yibum. And that, that follows Rabbi Akiva. So yes, that proves that in fact it is true. Okay, this is answer number one in the name of Rabbi Ameh. But we're going to challenge it and have two more answers to this question. Challenge. Matib Rabba. Rabba brings a long baraita uh, that um, shows that it doesn't, uh, we'll show. Uh, we'll see. Pesua dakachruchov chasris adam. Vazaken. O chosin o meyabemin. Here you have a case of all kinds of people have similar problems that they cannot have children, whether Pesua or Siris Adam. Uh, sounds like the difference is these were by some injury, by mistake. This may uh, be even um, purpose uh, if someone did that, did that to him. Uh, or someone who's elderly and he's passed, uh, that's it. He, can, he cannot have children anymore. He's too old. 
uh, they can do chalitza or yibum should their brother die without children. What would be a case? If someone dies and they have, if one of these people die, uh, who have this uh, who have this issue, and they have wives, and they have brothers. Well, they can all have brothers. How do they have wives? Maybe they got the injury later or whatever. So if any of the brothers would go and do anything, whether they do ma'amad and then they give a get, or they do chalitza, um, then that's done. That's valid as uh, to separate them. And if they do bi'ah, then it works. They can do yibum. So um, all these people can have yibum done for them by their brother. And similarly, if one of their brothers died and they become a, a Yavam, and if they do um, this Ma'amad uh, to kind of the type of engagement of Kiddushin for Yibum uh, with, uh, the, with the Yavama, or if they give a get, or if they do Chalitza, all those are, whatever they do is valid, like a normal case. And if they do Bi'ah, then it is Yibum. Uh, even if they do bi'ah, they, and you can, uh, that is yibum, asuda kayaman, they cannot remain married. Because it says they cannot remain married. So how come they can do it once? Well, they can do it once because this would be an aseh doche lota aseh. You have a misvah to do yibum. So it can override a lota aseh. It's only a lav, I remember, uh, for pesua daka. And so therefore, yes, they can do bi'ah once, and, but then that's it. Generally, we say, don't do it at all. Because then if you, once you do it once, now you're married, then you may stay married. Okay, but that's why it says, you know, if you did it once, uh, it's valid. And then just uh, you have to get divorced afterwards. Here, that's the end of the Braita. What's the point? You see that we're obviously we're talking about regular cases. Not doesn't say anything about that these are converts. Uh, they're talking about regular cases of non-converts. And even though uh, one uh, either the Yavam or one of the brothers is a Piswadaka, Sedis Adam here, right? And this sounds like the Biakiva who permits Sedis Adam. Uh, to do Yibum or to do Chalitza and doesn't say anything about someone anyone being a convert. Um, uh, it can't be because you see here that at the bottom, at the last case, they have to divorce afterwards because they're not allowed to stay together. If it was a convert, then they would be allowed to stay together. So there you go. This Badaita um, uh, rejects uh, what Rabbi Ameh's answer. And therefore, second answer. We're talking about someone who was uh, healthy and his brother died without children. And so now he is a perfectly legitimate Yavam. But while they're waiting to do Yibum, he has a, he, he has a, a, an injury and he becomes a Pesuadaka or whatever, Sidis Adam afterwards. And so now at this point, uh, he already had an oblig the obligation of Yibum fell on him. So, because he was healthy. So now he has to do Chalitza. Uh, that's what, that's the case that we're talking about. Okay, uh, so it seems like a good answer, but So, so what if he had the, if he was healthy at the time 
that uh, that she felt as a yevama to him. Uh, so what? Now he became a pitsuadaka. So let the prohibition of pitsuadaka come and push away the obligation to do yibum. So right, it doesn't matter if uh, if she if felt she felt to him while he was healthy. How do we know that from the following Mishnah, which we've learned a couple of times before, where there's a change in the status while they're awaiting yibum, and the change in status takes away the obligation of yibum. Here's the case: Milotinan. Uh, the case was two brothers married to two sisters. One of the sisters is an adult. One is a child. Uh, the child is um, married through Ma'amar Midrabanan. Her, their, her brother or mother uh, married her off, so she can always refuse. Now, the older sister's husband dies without children. And so now the younger, the, the younger brother is uh, there, and he would have to do yibum. Since he is only married to the minor girl, Midrabanan, so he has an obligation to do yibum. On the other hand, he can't do yibum because he is connected to the sister through this ma'amad. So he's stuck. So what are we going to do? There's a couple of options. One thing she could do is object to her marriage. Since it was done through Ma'amad, she can say, I don't want him. And then retroactively, the marriage is undone. And then, uh, then since that, that, the, that brother is, was never married uh, to the younger sister, he can go do boom with the older sister. If you do that, that's okay. But among them, says, you don't have to. Or you can just wait until the younger sister grows up. Once she is an adult, then the marriage takes full effect midoraita. And since this brother is married to a sister, he can no longer do yibum because that would be his sister's, uh, his wife's sister. And so therefore there's no mitzvah of yibum, no obligation at all, no need for chalitza. And so just wait and then the, the yevama can go free. Uh, 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 and go free. What do you see from this? That when, even though at the time that she felt uh, as Yevama, you could have done Yibum, if something changes in the middle, then the obligation of Yibum goes away. Uh, so we see here that the prohibition of wife's sister pushes away the mitzvah. So to here, although when the person was healthy, when he became a Yavam, Fine, but now he became Pesuadaka, he became a Sedis Adam, so that's it, no more, no more uh, obligation, and therefore no need for Chalitza, and no need, and no, couldn't do Yibum. So this is not an answer, we need a third answer. Ela Amar Rav Yosef, Hai Tanahach Tanah Deber Bi Akiva Hi, Tamar Mechayeve Lavin Desher Havei Mamzer, Mechayeve Lavin Degerede, Mamzer. Oh, this is a uh, opinion uh, of this of the of the Tana from the school of Rabbi Akiva that limits what we said about Rabbi Akiva. When Rabbi Akiva says that we treat Chayeve Lavin like Mamzerim, that's only a Chayeve Lavin that are related in some way. For example, if someone does Chalitza and then wants to marry the Chalutza, that's an Isur Lav, and they were related before that. So that is treated like Karet, in which case, no, no Yibum, no Chalisa, nothing. But if it's just a plain old Lav, where they're not related, and Pesua Daka is like that, uh, not related, but any Pesua Daka cannot marry uh, anybody, uh, even if they have no relation, uh, no uh, blood relation at all. 
So in that case, he does not consider them a mamzed, he does not consider them like an isur karet, but rather you, there is an uh, obligation of yibum uh, or chalitza in such cases in a regular love. And therefore, that's what Amishnah is talking about. It's talking about a Sidi Saddam, who's just a regular love. And so, um, a regular love does have an obligation to uh, do Yibum or Chalitza, um, better Chalitza, because there's a problem of remaining married to them. Okay, and that's why you need Chalitza. All right, excellent. So, uh, that concludes those three discussions. Let's just go a little bit more till the bottom of the page. Ikri kan lakim lachiv shem. Now we have a question. Uh, this person, according to the Akiva, is a Sidis Adam. He can do Yibum. That's what the Akiva says. And he would need to do Chalitza. Uh, how could this be? Isn't the whole point of Yibum to bear a child, to uphold the name? And this person cannot have a child. So what's the point of him, him, him doing Yibum or needing to do Chalitza? Okay, good question. Rava says, yeah, it's a good question, but it has to be the law. Because if you're going to say that anyone who uh, is becomes infertile, has not does not enter into the uh into the realm of yibum and chalitza. Well, think about any man that dies, any man that dies without children, right? You have to do yibum for him. Yeah, but any most of the time when someone dies, they're sick first. They're very sick because they're about to die. So there is no you never have a case of yibum because there is no woman who can do yibum uh, who is permitted to a yavam where the husband, the deceased husband, was not a sadis chamad, did not become infertile uh, at least uh, an hour, some time before he died, right? I mean, uh, whatever, how what did he die from? Uh, you know, heart attack or someone stabbed him, doesn't matter. He's, he becomes so weak uh, in the moments before his death that he's not fertile anymore. So according to your logic, you never have to do yibum for anyone because the, they, they go together. Anyone who, do, who, who, who cannot do yibum, you don't have to you do yibum for them if they die. So this would be this would be a problem, and therefore uh, this is a uh, just a uh, uh, reductio ad absurdum uh, that it would be absurd to say that anyone uh, who becomes sick does not perform yibum or cannot done, have perform yibum performed for them. So therefore, it must be that. Uh, it doesn't matter because at one point in their life they were able to have children, therefore they are within the realm of Yibum and Chalitza and they can have Yibum, they need to do Yibum for them if they die and they can do Yibum. That's the answer for Rabbi Akiva. And now we turn it around. The answer that Rava gave for Rabbi Akiva is now going to be a question to Rabbi Eliezer because Rabbi Eliezer says that anytime the the only permission is uh, someone who's born because maybe he'll get better but someone who is uh, sickly someone who is uh, is a pesua a seris adam cannot do yibum right because that's it they since they can't uh, do they can't have a child they can't do yibum and similarly yibum cannot be done for them uh, should they at the time of their death should they be a Sadis Adam? So to be Eliezer, what are you going to say about this? Isn't everyone infertile uh, before they die? 
And he answers, No, no, that's just a general weakness that begins when someone is uh, very sick and on their deathbed, they have a general weakness. It's not a particular thing that they are infertile. There's nothing particularly wrong with, uh, with, with uh, their, their uh, uh, reproductive system uh, that they couldn't, would prevent them from having a child. It's just that they, they can't get out of bed, they can barely move, they have other problems. And so we don't consider that to be an uh, infertility problem. It's a more of a general health problem. And that's how to be Eliezer answers the question. Baruch Adonai Lo'olam, Amen ve'amen.